Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Today y Manana. I'm Alex. This is Xavier. We're very excited to have you joining us this morning on a brisk morning. A brisk and, and, and welcome back, so, Alex. Nice to have you back. Glad to be back. Always, always love being here. On uh, I can see you have your uh, café con leche over there. I have my water, so I'm trying to. <laughs> All right, so I cut down. Good. I'm trying, trying to, to be good. I'm trying to be good, you know. <laughs> but it is a beautiful day. That's a gorgeous to get day. Get your café con leche. Get to a nice, warm, and cozy place and watch or listen to some today Imanyana. So we. Uh, we definitely uh, look forward to it. We've got a great show lined up for we you do. this morning. We're going to be joined shortly in the show by Meredith McCright. She is the owner of Magnolia Rabbit Design Company. So we're going to be talking to her. We're going to be talking some some marketing, some branding, some website design. Yeah, so exactly. A lot, of, a lot of different things. All which is definitely important in today's Absolutely. world. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Very necessary. And then later in the show, we'll have some finance. Yeah, we'll that talk a little finance. We'll be talking, so be sure to uh, send us any questions, comments uh, about our guests. We, we love reading the, the great comments about how great our guests are. And, uh, and any finance questions you have, Dave and I can try to... We'll try. We'll do our best. Show. We'll do our best later in the show as well. Uh, Dr. Elizabeth Erpe watching the show this morning, so thanks for... Uh, Thanks for joining us. I see Nicholas Erpe has uh, tuned in. Matthias Yon says, good morning, friends. Matthias, good morning. Good morning. A great, uh, great friend and partner of the show is Matthias. Uh, speaking of which, big thank you to our partners such as Matthias. Absolutely. You know, Matthias Yon Realty, uh, Craddock Serious Insurance, Castle Hill Cider, Forward Adelante. Uh, love, of course, thank you to Emergent Financial Services for presenting. Love being here on the Olive Seville Network set. Judah behind the camera. Always making us look good. Absolutely. And don't forget... To like, share, and subscribe. Subscribe, absolutely. You know, thank God they don't add more stuff. To, I mean, they, I know, it, it, it keeps. It's like it gets. It gets bigger and bigger. We try to Someday keep it short. Okay. We, we try to keep it short. You know, the, the I see that. I see that. I see that all the time now because you know your mom loves to watch sometimes on YouTube things that she enjoys, mm -hmm. and you can see there. It's like, and, and the first thing they say is, "Don't forget to," and they have their little finger that says, "Don't forget to hit subscribe, the subscribe yeah. button." <laughs> yeah, I know. Now they even point the uh, exactly point to the subscribe button, yeah. which is uh, which is always funny to to see that one yeah. uh, pop in, and. Um, a little shout out. We happened this weekend. We went uh, once again to the Unlocked History. Oh yeah, that was that we had oh Phil that was great. Show, uh, several weeks ago, Phil Reese, the owner of uh, Unlocked History, and uh, we went to the uh, Raven. As yeah, family. that was a lot. Yeah, Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I tell you, if you've never done that, I, I had never done it before, and I'll be honest with you. Once I used to, see, I know you went a few times. And I said. Yeah, escape room. I mean, come on, you know, how much fun can that possibly be? But it's it's just a lot of fun. I mean, it's a lot of fun, and then a little bit of stress because you, you have that time. And it's like you got to get going, and we, we got to solve this one. You got to solve that puzzle. So it was all good. Yep, it was. Yeah, it was I, I highly recommend that if you've never done it before, to just just try it. Give it a and shot. It, it's amazing. You know, it's a yeah. great group event. Yeah. You know, I mean, we did it with seven, but I, I mean, I've enjoyed it with three, yeah. four, five. Two, two, two is always necessary, though. I yeah, think. Yeah, one would be hard. One would be, <laughs> one pretty, would be pretty hard. You need some extra <laughs> yeah. brain power. You well, absolutely. Every once in a while, somebody says, wait a minute, look at this. Oh, we, how about that? And, and I think that's important. You exactly, know? But, exactly. So it's, but it's really a lot of fun. So the first people unlocked history escape room. He's, yeah. uh, he does a great job with those. Oh, well, I mean, the, the, the things they came up with is like, I'm just, I was really amazed. The puzzles it's like, and the clues. The puzzles and the, and the way things open, it's like. Wow, how did that happen? I don't know the science behind it. I'm not sure that part yeah. out the physics, but uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it really is. It's pretty cool. So, and this is a great time of year to do the Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, yeah. Raven one. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good uh, one. For October. 
And so really a great small business here uh, in Charlottesville. And speaking of great small businesses, I think I'm excited to jump into today's uh, fantastic entrepreneur. And Meredith looks like she's excited and ready to go too. Absolutely, so. <laughs> absolutely. So we are thrilled to welcome to the show this morning Meredith McCright. She is the owner of Magnolia Rabbit Design Company. Meredith, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Good morning. No, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you on. So for those who, who haven't met yet, maybe haven't heard of you yet, tell us maybe a little, start off with maybe a little bit about yourself and how you first kind of became interested in the marketing, branding, kind of design space. And don't sure. forget to add how this, how that name came oh, we'll get to that. Oh, okay, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> then don't answer yet. Okay. Um, well, I'm a Charlottesville native, so I grew up here. Um, I went to college at Longwood University right down the road. Mm-hmm. Lived in Richmond for a couple years afterwards, and then I bounced around the country for a few years. So I went out to Phoenix, Arizona, Charleston, South Carolina, and Boston, Massachusetts before I came back. And when I was out in Phoenix, I, I think I was working in human resources. I have a degree in psychology, and I sort of wanted to do something with people, helping mm-hmm. to guide people on their journeys. And I was at a nonprofit, and as you know, with nonprofits, it's sort of everyone wears a lot of hats and I remember getting pulled in to help with a lot of events with the marketing department and then I would be making signs and designing things for them and they were like you should just come over and work with us (laughs) so I went over to the marketing department and then I really got into design and they sort of helped me take some classes to learn how to use software Um, but really the rest was self-taught and I just just knew that I wanted to go down the creative path. So I sort of tailored the rest of my career towards more creative stuff, but always in a marketing digital realm. So interesting. Now, so, go ahead. do you have any like niche, like particular type of clients that you seem to gravitate towards? I do. I work mostly with women who own their own businesses or aspire to own their own businesses. I do work with some businesses who are somewhat women-owned and have other men owners as well. But I just really like to have women in the room. I think that our voices have been quieted for a long time, and it's really important. So that's a real passion of mine is okay. to empower women to step into entrepreneurial roles. and space, absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. So when did you, when did you decide to say, okay, I'm ready to kind of take, take these talents I've been working on in this career path and start my own business? And then how did you, you come up with the name? Sure. Well, um, so the renaming is new. Um, I started the business in 2018. I was working as a design director at a um, a firm in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and um, there was just a lot going on within the company, and a lot of our team was leaving, and so I just thought, hey, this is the time if yeah. I'm going to do it. I didn't have a real plan, and I, I had a lot of good contacts there, so I had some recruiter friends who set me up with contract jobs and one of those required an LLC and so he's like can you have it set up by tomorrow so I was like okay (laughs) so I had just like somehow come up with the name create without bounds and that was my business name for the last five years and then I recently wanted to go through the same process I go through with my clients and really authentically name the business for something that feels aligned for me and I wanted it to relate to nature and 
I just, I love magnolia blooms. I love how just, they just burst forth and they're big and bold and unapologetic and, (laughs) and they're pure. Like they are a symbol of purity. And so getting to that authentic story that someone has that we weave through the business feels like that, that pure essence Mm -hmm. of stripping away the can'ts and shoulds and, and really getting down to, to what's real for that person. And then the rabbit part is, you know, there's just a lot of like wily magic around rabbits and curiosity mm-hmm. and they're known for being really intuitive. And so I really like to encourage my clients to follow their intuition and trust their gut mm-hmm. and um, make decisions based on that. So that's sort of how it came about. Yeah, it's a great that's combination. Absolutely, really it really is. It rolls off very nicely. Like, it just yeah. gives you this, yeah. I mean, the moment I read the name, I kind of just felt like this like warm... Okay. Feeling like, okay, oh, that's yeah. Really not, yeah, you know Absolutely, I mean? like, yeah. Because yeah. it's true. I mean, those magnolia trees, boy, when they bloom, it's like, boom, you know. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, they're impressive. Yeah. So I know that, you know, that there's several, because I, I guess when people begin the journey of saying, all right, I'm ready to actually go in, you know, think about how I market my firm. You know, having started our own, we kind of, you know, at the, at the very beginning, I think you go into entrepreneurship thinking okay I get to do this thing that I love and then you rapidly realize well there's a lot of other things I have to do to get to do the thing that I love one of which is marketing and so but people of course approach it different ways what are some of the different I guess types of services that you can help people with sure Um, most of what I do is a big kind of start from the beginning brand and website project Um, Sometimes we just do brands, sometimes we just do website if they already have a solid brand. But the foundation of everything is figuring out what the story is and how do we weave that through everything that you do. So a lot of times people kind of know what they want to do and who they want to serve, but they have no idea how to create offerings and price them Mm -hmm. um, and how to talk about their services. You know, it's really hard for some people to to promote themselves exactly, yeah, and get past that sort of imposter syndrome. So exactly. it, there's also a lot of coaching weaved in there um, to kind of get the clients to feel confident and step into their role. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first part of it. But there are packages that include brand and web, um, several different levels of that. And I also have clients who are at a different place in their business and maybe don't have the budget for that type of engagement. Mm-hmm. And so I have um, templates that people can buy that are pretty much already created websites yeah. And they are tailored to women's service businesses like coaches, therapists, mm-hmm. um, healers of that kind of, now, that kind of stuff. When, when we think of digital uh, marketing, so would that include things like you know, Instagram and Facebook and any other, you know, LinkedIn or things of that sort? Is that, is that also where you help your clients kind of distinguish themselves? Yeah, I do like to help them get set up with, you know, how they're going to talk about themselves and maybe a cadence of when do I post, you know, mm-hmm. a helpful piece of advice and then how many times do I ask for something. Um, so balancing that education okay. piece with the, the sales piece. Um, but really I like to empower them to manage that for themselves because I think mm-hmm. if it's your social media, people want to hear from you. Yeah. So I don't really like to do other people's social media, but I do like to set them up with the tools to create beautiful posts and mm-hmm. to kind of know what they should be talking about. Exactly. Well, that makes a lot of, a lot of sense. Would you say, for, I've always been curious about this, and how would you kind of, as someone who's in this space, define like a brand like when someone thinks that okay I want to have my brand out there right. how would you kind of say all right what, what are the things that go into that because I know sometimes a lot of people will 
you know, you'll be talking to someone and be like, yeah, I want to make my brand. And then they and I will be chatting like, what, what actually goes into that? What would you say are like the components that sort of make yeah. up what someone's brand is? I love this question. <laughs> um, so lo- most of the time people just think, oh, it's a logo mm-hmm. and maybe a tagline. And it's, that is part of it, but it's so much more than that. So really your brand is the, it's what other people perceive when they see mm-hmm. your logo or when they see you on social media, when they hear the business name. It's the emotions that they have tied to your business. Mm -hmm. And so creating that brand is really starting with the story and starting with what are your core values as a business? What do you stand for? How do you do business? Mm -hmm. You know, what are some of your non-negotiables? And then how do you want to talk about what you do in in a way that, you know, drives home that story? So what Mm -hmm. impact are you having? And then we sort of do the visual stuff to complement that. So there might be a brand um, logo, there's a color palette, there's typography, because we want to have consistency, Mm -hmm. right? So every place that someone sees your stuff, whether it's your website, your social media, and printed materials, they want to immediately recognize it and be like, oh yeah, I've seen that before, and it's very consistent. Mm -hmm. So really the visual stuff is a complement to the underlying story. Um, and I think people miss that a lot. They just think it's all visual. Yeah, I mean, the logo, yeah. and yeah. there's, my, there's my brand. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. It's true, yeah. Yeah, it's a great way to think about it because it's, it's true because you want, you, you, you kind of need that consistency because you don't want conflicting sentiments. Like you don't want, like if you're a, a flower business and you want warm and fuzzy, you don't want to use that big impact TNT logo, like TNT font, like yeah. you'd see on the side of a dynamite <laughs> people might get, well, yeah, now, be- not giving me the same feeling as, you know, the flowers and especially if it's like blues and whites and mm-hmm. then you have a big red TNT logo, you know, you <laughs> imagine true. where someone would be like, you know, oh, that logo looks cool, but yeah, it looks cool, but does it complement right. what you actually want people yeah. to feel when they look at your, yeah. when they think about your brand? Exactly. Yeah, because you could be like, oh, I love red, but if you're if you have like a a counseling business and you work with people who are going through you know trauma in their lives, red's probably not the color to choose. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, that's that's a huge piece of it is sort of educating on like hey, we want certain consumers to feel a softness when they come here, mm-hmm. so we need the color palette and the typography and the photography to, to represent that. Yeah. Okay. And probably more than ever today, I mean, you know, like in the past, we didn't have, you know, these phones. I mean, today, everybody's on their phones, right? And flipping either through one type of social media or another. And to have that, you know, that logo basically describe in itself who you are and what you do to a certain respect is so important, right, than, than it was mm-hmm. Maybe back back in the long. People's first impressions may no longer be like find you in the yellow pages. I mean, people's right. first impressions no longer I find you in the yellow pages and call. So right. Their first impression would be your voice or walk in. So their first impression is your office. Now it's like the first impression is probably going to be your website or something that's been seen on on social media. So that's right. Exactly. That becomes more not more important, but more important from a first impression perspective. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be all about the business card, right? And now it's, right. <laughs> it's really exactly. all about the website yeah. and social media. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, when someone calls, so let's say someone really, they're an entrepreneur, they're either starting up or they're, they're in that phase of saying, okay, I need to put a little more into marketing, and they give you a call, what, what are the process kind of look like of how you would sort of work with them, decide what they need, and, and begin figuring out what their brand is? Yeah, 
So I do offer a free 15-minute call just to see if we're a fit to work together. So we sort of assess where you're at, what your budget is, timing, and you know if that aligns for both of us. Um, and then the next step I require for all of my packages is a consultation. Mm-hmm. And so it's called a big picture plan. And it's a two-hour call with a follow-up detailed report of what I recommend for next steps. Mm-hmm. And so that'll basically give you exactly what you need to do to reach the goals that we've discussed that are important to your business. Mm-hmm. You can do that with me or you can do that with someone else. So that's a paid consultation. Yeah. If you choose one of my packages, that cost goes towards a package. Mm-hmm. If you don't, fine, it's yours to take wherever yeah. you want. Gotcha. Oh, that sounds really neat. Yeah, that it really is, yeah. yeah. I mean, so a plan kind of develops first, and then you can kind of take it to one of your packages and say, okay, I want to go this plan towards just logo and branding. I want to take this plan towards a full website and things like that. Yeah, because sometimes people don't need everything that's in a package, mm-hmm. so it helps me create a customized package where I'm not selling them something they don't need, or they might need something that's not in there. Mm-hmm. But it also lays a blueprint for exactly what the scope will be, so it gives them an idea of, oh, this is a much bigger deal than I thought it was, or it's less than I thought it was, but usually it's, it's more work than they thought it was. Mm-hmm. And it just gives them, like, an appreciation for what comes next because then they realize, okay, this is going to take a, a couple months and it's going to – there's a lot going into it and I need to be engaged in this. And so it's, it's a nice, like, investment up front of not only money but energy and understanding, like, what their time investment is going to be moving mm-hmm. forward. Yeah. I, I always find that very useful because um, even in, in our business when we do a consultation, which is the same thing, it's in you know, the first consultation is free. What, what I realize is that – People sometimes don't really know exactly what they want and need. And by you sitting there with them, now you're getting more information mm-hmm. from them. They're learning from you. And before you know it, they're like, wow, I didn't, I didn't know this was possible. I didn't know we could do this. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't know you could do this. And so, you know, that's, that's the beauty of having that, that consultation is that it also opens up different roads and opens up ideas that they might have said, I didn't know that was even feasible or possible. And then say, hey, that's really the direction I want to go. Absolutely. And I find a lot, too, that people don't realize they were missing some things that they need. Mm -hmm. And then when we have the, when I ask those questions, they're sort of like, huh, (laughs) that is a good question. And we never thought of that. And we should. And I'm like, yes, this is cool. Like, this Mm -hmm. is, that's what I love is to, like, kind of see the client have an aha moment. Mm -hmm. But also just be like, oh, it's going to be so cool when we have that piece in place and we can confidently put our story out there and feel really good about it. Absolutely, yeah. It's sort of that light bulb moment. It's almost like you're sort of helping them figure out what they need rather than just saying like flat out telling them. Like you, as they talk to you, it's like, oh yeah, I probably do need that. Exactly. And, you yeah. Know, they, yeah. You, they they figure it out. Would you say, out of curiosity, that and this just came to me, that that your your background, your original background, kind of in psychology, has kind of helps you when you're doing those consultations with people to try to get to the root of what what they what they're about and what they need and what their kind of values and goals are absolutely i am actually a certified coach so i went through a coaching program in 2017 and i didn't know what i was going to do with it i thought maybe i'd coach full-time and i did for a while have some coaching only clients um but it just occurred to me hey i need to weave this into the way i work with my brand and website clients because it is all story-based and it's emotionally driven And there are those walls up, right, where we were talking about people kind of having that imposter syndrome and, like, fraud complex and needing to really step fully into it. And so breaking down those barriers is a huge part and cracking into, like, 
you know, what do you really want to stand for? Who are you authentically and how can we step into that? And so there's a lot of coaching involved to kind of, you know, get them to that place. Exactly. That has to be an enormous advantage. I mean, I never, I never thought of that. that was a great question. I never thought of that, but that, that's so true, right? And because, I mean, it, you know, especially when it comes to marketing, that's when most people, have, you know, they put these walls, I, I can't do this and I can't do that, and that's not me or whatever, right? Yeah. And, and sometimes you just have to begin to break down those walls and say, no, you, you're perfect for this or you're, you know, you're very good at this, mm-hmm. and you have to somewhat you know, bring, out, bring that out of them and say, no, you've got to you know, build that confidence because it's good. And so, yeah. you know, having that psychology background and reading coaching, coaching yeah, it's, it's got to be a tremendous advantage, yeah. That's fantastic. What would you say, having worked with, like, you? because obviously you worked with a lot of entrepreneurs, what's your experience been like as an entrepreneur yourself, like, behind yeah. the scenes? I mean, it is terrifying sometimes, <laughs> a lot of the times, <laughs> but totally worth it. I think, you know, the biggest struggle for me before was that I liked design work, but I didn't thrive in a corporate environment. Mm-hmm. That just wasn't for me. Yeah. I didn't want someone telling me what my next, you know, what my goal should be. I wanted to decide that for myself. And I really wanted to work with clients that felt really aligned. And mm-hmm. so, you know, working for an agency or a big corporation, you don't get to choose your clients. Yeah. Um, so it's really nice. I get to choose who I work with. And that, to me, has been incredibly meaningful and incredibly rewarding. Mm-hmm. So... I think it's one of the beauties. Absolutely, of, yeah, no doubt about it. One of the beauties it. of entrepreneurship is, like, like you said, it's it has elements that are sort of just you know the butt stops with you, right? <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, it's like there's that there's that aspect of it. You know, you work just as hard, if not more, but you have that freedom to say like I I get to work with the people I want to work with. I get to work the way I want to work. Mm-hmm. I get to do things the way I want to do them, and there is a freeing aspect. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, before quarantine, before everyone worked from home, (laughs) um, that wasn't a totally normal thing for everyone to have that freedom. And so that was a beautiful thing, too, is like I can work from home with my dog and then I can take a break to work out in the middle of the day. And just having that flexibility is really amazing. Exactly. I always call it the like the the Saturday uh, kind of paradox and that like as an entrepreneur, you know, Sometimes you have to work Saturday, but sometimes you don't have to work on a Tuesday. You know what I mean? Yes. Can, if yeah. something's happening, you can just not schedule people exactly. on that day. Yeah. But, you know, there might be, there's no getting around, like, you know, if there's a client you want to work with and they can only meet on a Saturday and you really want to work with them, you meet them on a Saturday. It's not like, oh, I'm only nine to five, you know. You know, it's not a nine to five job, but it has that beautiful flexibility to it. Yeah. 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 Although I do think boundaries are important. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. Sunday's yes. no. Hence <laughs> the choose your clients. <laughs> choose your clients part. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, Meredith, this has been a, a, an absolute pleasure. Before we let you go, where, how can people get in touch with you, reach out, and, and if they're interested, schedule that uh, 15-minute uh, introductory call? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast. Um, my website is magnoliarabbit.com. And there is a button on there, a link for you to schedule a free call. So you can do that at your leisure on the scheduler. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Magnolia Rabbit Design and on Facebook at Magnolia Rabbit. Fantastic. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Yeah. Encourage people yeah. To, to, to give the website a, a shout. It's actually, it's also, I mean, not surprisingly, it's a beautifully designed website. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's really, I mean, talked about like what you said, everything kind of melding 
together, even yeah. the font of Magnolia Rabbit just feels like Magnolia. Yeah. It's hard to describe it, but like when you see it, you'll get my, oh, you'll get what you. I'm failing to describe in words. <laughs> but uh, definitely, it's the visual. You got to go exactly. see it. Exactly. You have to go check it out uh, for sure. Meredith, thanks so much. Meredith, for thank you us. so much. Thank yes, you. absolutely. It's a pleasure. And the best of luck. <laughs> All right. Since we rotate here, we'll uh, we'll switch gears just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. To, uh, to a little fine. But that was good. That was good. So, so you, you know, it's funny because you, you, we have all different type of um, entrepreneurs come, yeah. come here. But it's interesting when you, you have somebody that designs, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you know, as you know, I don't have a, my, my right side of the brain. Is, is not as good as when I was a creative side. It's not as creative yeah. as the as the math side, right? For me, it's like numbers, black or white. Um, but but I'm almost intrigued how how important to a certain respect that is in any business. It doesn't matter what business you are, and again, more today than ever because you're so you know it's you know, social media constantly out there. Um, but how important that is really to to make sure that that message that you have come across, right? And you know, it's something that you and I kind of battle every day the message that we have to bring across to our clients you know it's like you know the calming message you know the the excitement message you know bringing them yep. <laughs> calming when things aren't going well and you know don't let them get too high when things are going really well and and always coming back to you know what's important in the long term right absolutely which is it's it's so key it's it's really key and it's just and it doesn't matter what business you're in because it's it's expressing it's I think the beautiful thing is you need to know what you're about, what yeah. your business is about. And, and really, as we've learned, I think even, even every year that we've been in business, you're trying to learn a little more who are the people that we really like to work with and help. What, what's, what does you, everyone thinks, I think, at the beginning, oh, I don't have a niche. I, 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 I'll do anything for anybody. Right. And then the longer you're in business, the more you realize, A, you can't do everything for everybody. Right, exactly. Right? But also, B... You don't want to. Like you, there, there is something, and it doesn't have to be a niche in the sense of like a particular target market. Like I only do financial advice for people between the ages of 25 and 23, you know, and 27. Right. Right. It's more, this is the type of work that I like to do. This is what I enjoy helping people do. We've realized how much we love working with people on the financial planning and families and small businesses. Right, and you just over time you realize that, but then the key is if you can express that in marketing, yeah, then you really get across to people. Exactly, you, you and, and that's so important to match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, I mean, listen, we've 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 come across many potential clients that just want us to do things that we're just not comfortable. It's not yeah. what it's not what we do best, and so we say, sorry, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> <laughs> and we say, yeah. you know, if that's what you want, you know, you got to look for somebody else because we're not we're not going to do that because it's not our forte. Yeah. it's something that we don't truly believe in first and foremost and second of all it's not something that we feel very comfortable with so you know we wouldn't take you as a client and try it on you because that wouldn't be fair right Mm -hmm. and i think that's like you said little by little you realize there are certain things that we do very very well right and and the longer you work the more you even continue to say you know we do this extremely well how do we make sure that people understand what it is we're here for and what it is we can do for them, you know. Yep. And you're as I think the more your brand reflects that, then people I think gravitate towards. Exactly. Because then the people who are the ones you are working like, I can tell that this person. Did you see it sometimes? Like you, when you when you were speaking to a business owner, to a business, or seeing their website, and you then their 
like their niche is you, yeah. you Sam said, I know yeah. this this is something I, I want to work with. Exactly. And use this person to do it. Whereas if you go to your, you know, it's almost like the difference between fine walking into a, a shop that the shop is like you love music and it's a music shop versus going on Amazon, right? Amazon might have all the same music things. But you're never going to feel like Amazon is there for me. Like they, they gravitate towards my niche. No, that's true. Thing, right? <laughs> Whereas when you walk into a store, like, I mean, you put our Mr. Zerpy and my mom in a Christmas store, right? They might sell all the same things in Amazon, but she, she'll sense, I like, know oh, the Christmas store is, is made for me. Exactly. Yeah. Amazon says, ah, it's just there. It's not <laughs> just really another, made yeah. for me. Exactly. You know, it just happens no, to sell the same yeah. things. Yeah. No, no, no doubt about it. You yeah, they're, they're, you just have to make sure that that whom you are and those services that you particularly are very good at, you make sure that those are portrayed in whether it be your website or your, your social media extremely well because people then will gravitate towards you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and so that's part of marketing, part of, you know, keeping growing. Part of every in, business. Every business. I yeah. mean, especially in, in uncertain times, you've got to be uh, really focused. Yeah. On what you do. Is that a lead to our next time? No, so what have you been... <laughs> uncertain times? Like, uncertain times. Well, we are. We have such certain time, times these days. You know, but I would... Uh, <laughs> no, I was just thinking, I just wanted to, finance-wise, just wanted to kind of touch, see what you have been seeing, what you've been thinking. I know it's been, it's been several shows since you and I did one. Mike yeah. and I have done some finance. Admits. Although we do talk a lot at the office, well, so, you probably, the so office, you probably obviously. have a very good idea. So the audience, I think. You know, for the audience, for okay, the audience, okay, yeah. I like I don't know the answer. But anyway, so, so it's interesting because, you know, when I came in, you know, Jerry and I were talking about mortgage rates, right? And so the 30-year mortgage uh, has broken 8% barrier, which hasn't done that since I don't even know when, in 2006, or I, I can't remember when, right? As you can see, um, but it's been... <laughs> so, so, you know, those are events. But I know you wanted to touch just quickly on something uh, for the Latinos, which Absolutely. I think is very important. So I don't know if you want to... I know we've, we've discussed we've it before in our show. Before, uh, right. But saw some great... Uh, I mean, a couple shout-outs here. I mean, the original... Post was um, Keith Smith sharing the great work of uh, Virgil Velasco. We, we, when we've had okay. Keith on, we've had Virgil on from Storyhouse Realty, um, talking about how, to, with the help of Ricardo Cruz from right. Cruz from UVA Community Credit Union, they, Virgil was able to help a family get a home. And one of the main means they could do this was because you can get mortgages now with an ITIN. So if you don't okay. have a Social Security number, right, you with an ITIN, which is I forget that it's something taxpayer identification number. Right. Um, but the key, the, everyone's going to call it an individual taxpayer identification number. Everyone's going to call it an ITIN. You can, in fact, get a mortgage. So if you're out there thinking, oh, man, I don't have a Social Security number. I'll never be able to own my own home. You know, or I need to put that off for X number of years till I finally get one. Right? That's not the case. You can, in fact, with an ITIN, get a mortgage. And I don't know if you want to kind of repeat that in Spanish. For our, our Latino audience, you know, it's important. Because shout out Philadelphia Soto, Philadelphia wife of our good friend Johnny Ornelas, kind of pinged us there and said, hey, okay. this is happening. Sure. I was like, yeah, we talked. We had talked with Ricardo about this 
one or two years ago when it was like first coming to fruition. Correct. Yeah. And beautiful to see it in fruition. So thanks to Philadelphia for kind of highlighting that for us. But we just wanted to kind of share that with our absolutely, uh, absolutely. So so um, lo que Alex estaba diciendo es que si ustedes uh, están buscando una casa y no tiene el número de Social Security, pero tiene el número de ITIN, ITIN o ITIN, depende <laughs> depende cómo lo pronuncian. Um, pueden hoy día Um, buscar o conseguir una hipoteca con el banco con ese número. Es decir, no necesita un número de Social Security, puede usar ese número para conseguir una hipoteca para poder comprar una casa. Y esto es nuevo um, y no sé cuántos meses hace que, que, que puedan hacer esto. Nuevo. Relativamente nuevo. Así que si ustedes están interesados en buscar una, una casa, comprar una casa, por fin pueden y pueden también obtener una, una hipoteca con, con, con los bancos, con ciertos bancos que dan hipotecas con ese número. Así y es una manera fantástica de, de, de invertir en su casa. ¿no? Sí, claro que sí. Perfecto. Perfecto. Gracias. Gracias. Es nuestro... Uh... Anuncio, anuncio. anuncio de servicio público uh, para hoy, para nuestra audiencia. You know, it's interesting, and, and again, I, although this particular research piece was done back in the, uh, in the 90s, right, we had done an enormous research piece looking at, you know, the repayment of mortgages um, and the default in mortgage or in any mortgage particular product, right? And interesting enough, the Hispanic population, right, had the lowest default rate than anybody else, right? Yeah. And the reason we had studied that was because there was a certain group of You know, they were paying at that time even higher interest rates than most people, right? And so obviously very attractive mortgages. They were selling at much greater discounts than the rest of the mortgages, but we wanted to get a feel for the default rate, and we realized these are better than regular mortgages, right? So one of the important things is that it's kind of the, the Hispanic heritage is, you know, is my family comes first. And my home is where my family lives, so yeah. I will do whatever I necessary to make save sure that I continue home. to save my home, right? I'll do anything else. You know, I'll, I'll skip, you know, buying a Coca-Cola, buying a cafe con leche <laughs> with leche con ensalada. Yes. I'll skip that first, right, before paying that mortgage. So, so that's really, you know, it's wonderful to be able to see that these people can now, you know, buy a home and afford, you know, hopefully afford and buy a home, Absolutely. you know? Well, just to show you, right, somebody's got to dig deep. You can't just... You know, because I think a lot of people, if you didn't tell them that, they'd assume, oh, man, yeah, Latinos, they have less money. They'll, they'll default. Yeah, exactly. Easily, yeah. right? Yeah. And said, like, no, it's the opposite. Yeah, it's, it's the just opposite. amazing. It really is amazing. You know, because yeah. I think our, our culture, yeah. like you said, family first. You know, I notice Latino culture, you know, we don't like debt. Oh, yeah. Right? But I think problem. part yeah. of the reason we don't like it is because we, we feel strongly the importance of living up to your word and paying that's your right. debt when you, yeah. once you have acquired it. Exactly. You know, so I think that's part, that's part of it. Yeah. You know, you know, because we'll also see a lot of Latinos that when they're successful, you know, there's kind of that urge to, let me pay off my mortgage entirely, <laughs> this way I don't have the debt anymore. And we have to kind of talk. Talk them out of it a little bit. Talk them out of that a little exactly. bit. Exactly. what the it's, it's a balance, yeah. And, and I, always, I always tell people, you know, you're never going to find 
you know, even though today's rates are high, you're never going to find a rate as low as your mortgage rate because it's collateralized by home, exactly. right? Well, and even so, today, right? Even with mortgage well, even rate, today, yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah. If you were to go to a personal loan, it's yeah. not eight; it's going to be yeah. nine, you know, fifteen, sixteen. Absolutely, exactly. And so the point is that you always have to make sure that you have some cash mm-hmm. flow for emergencies, right? So if you know, don't empty out your your bank account, your retirement account, and I've seen people do that. They empty out their retirement account, paid off their mortgage. I said, okay, what if something happens? Yeah. Now you got to go back to the bank, try to borrow that money, closing costs, higher interest rate. So, you know, it's one of those things where you really have to think about, you know, paying off that particular debt. All the other debts, yeah. by all means, don't even get them, Absolutely. especially credit cards. I mean, I've even seen research like this on um, uh, emergency funds versus paying off student loans because I've seen some articles saying, remember, depending on what your student loan interest rate is, if you're, you should be doing both simultaneously. Paying, paying off your minimum payment, right? But don't go above and beyond at the expense of your emergency fund because right. then if an emergency does happen, you, the, you're, the most likely place people will turn to pay off an emergency expense if they don't have it in their bank account is a credit card. And the credit card interest rate is going to be, it, as an example, right, if you've got one of those, um, not a grad, not an unsubsidized loan, but certain, certain unsubsidized student loans, you're talking maybe 5.5%, right. maybe 6%. Credit card is going to be twenty. So, in other words, if you ba- if you suck out your emergency fund to, to pay off your student loan faster, because I don't want to I don't want to be paying six percent, and then an emergency happens, now you're paying twenty. Yeah. So it you it's about balancing, and you know it's not you don't not pay any of your student loans and yet your credit score destroyed, right? But you you have to balance. It's not always you know if there's no one size fits all. This is what you do in all circumstances. Exactly, you exactly. Have to and and, and I think people have to realize. I mean, so there's you know there's pros and cons of everything, right? So I mean, right now we're seeing eight percent mortgage rates. You know, granted, um, student loans maybe you know five, six, seven percent, but interest rates on the other side, meaning for investment purposes, you know, they can range between five percent or actually a little higher than five percent just in government bonds, right? to up to 13% in different type of bonds. So you can create a very balanced portfolio in bonds and have the same rate or a higher rate. In other words, invest in the same rate or higher rate than your loans, which at that point you can feel comfortable, right? Because exactly. like, all right, I don't have to pay it off, um, but I'm earning some good money here so that I'm not really, to a certain respect, yeah, you're not, losing. Yeah, you're not yeah. losing the interest rate. You're kind exactly. of maintaining That's right. the level of... Yeah. Of debt. Yeah. And, and I think more than, you know, over the last two years, last year and this year, uh, I would say uh, from an investment point of view, uh, the bond market has been the most interesting market of oh, them all. The basically op- since the beginning of last year. Yeah, exactly. The opportunities to create a custom strategy, you know, where you can take advantage of changes in interest rates, whether it be, you know, New curve strategies or structural strategies or credit strategies are unbelievable, right? And thank goodness, I mean, ETFs in today's there world, there are so many of them that you can find the right combination that will put you in a situation that you are actually, you know, making money in, a, in, in an environment where it's difficult, you know, to make money. So, um, you know, it's... Like I said, it's this, there's pros and cons to everything. Rates are going up, and, and, it's, and it's making it very difficult on some, yeah, some people that need to buy homes or borrowers. Um, but on the other end, if you're not in that category, 
um, you should be making a very good, you know, uh, income on on those particular in that particular sector. And of the even market. if you're in that category, depending how you balance things, sure, you can help compensate. Yeah. For that, you know, you yeah. can at least make something to help. You can make something on the investment side that helps that interest rate that you're paying on debt be not quite as bad. Exactly. You're at least making exactly. some passive yeah. income on the side there. Yeah. No, it really is. I mean, the, the sad part, and I would say, I mean, we've probably seen this, nine out of ten portfolios that come to us, like people who are out there, the stock part is diversified, right. all these different stocks, and you and, and not, not only diversified, but sort of specific. In other words, in, in someone's stock portfolio, you will see small cap stocks, large cap stocks, alternative stocks, green energy stocks, right? You'll see all those things split out. And then you'll see like one bond fund, which is total bond market. Fund. Exactly, yeah. And so like the one part that can do so much for you is the one part that because I think it's more, people have a more difficult time grasping, just gets all lumped into one into mutual one, fund. Yeah. You can't take advantage. Yeah. And you look at the rate, and it's, of course, if it's all one mutual fund lumped together, you look at the interest rate, it's like 3%. And you're like, oh, my goodness, you could get treasuries that are higher than, higher than exactly. this. Yeah. But people, I think, have a harder time knowing. Because stocks are simple, right? It's, it's not, people, yeah. people, and it's not just people. I mean, it's, you well, know, investment it's, it's advice, investment yeah. advisors. You know, yeah. and it's just in an area that they're comfortable with. And that's just and, – and I think part of it also is – you know, a lot of advisors, they just kind of throw that into their investment models, and the models are the kind models of, they just say, boom, here it is, bonds buy this, you know, and as opposed to being able to sit there and say, some of this doesn't make sense anymore because there's so many other opportunities, mm-hmm. you know, that you, granted, you got to do the research, you got to look for it, but they're there, and, yeah. if you, and if you work hard enough, you can see that the opportunities are, are in, enormous. Especially depending how far back your model goes. I mean, if you have a 20-year model... <laughs> Right, it does not. Twenty year model from now starts two thousand. Had you had a thirty year model starting, it would start in nineteen ninety. Not a single one of those will have this interest rate. You'd have to have a basically what a forty year, forty five year computer model for that model to even take an input from the last time interest rates rose this this fast, this high, this quickly. That's right. Yeah. Right? So those computer models just. They don't have the input. If you are looking at a 20, 30-year model, you don't even have the input in there necessary. That thing is just going to spit out. I'll buy the aggregate bond prices will go up. Exactly. Right? So, well, no, bond prices are going down. That's right. <laughs> right? Yeah, the bond exactly. prices are going down, but interest rate yield is going up. Yeah. So that's where you need to put things together. And I think also, I mean, I would imagine a lot of – you know, your average investment advisor that doesn't have bond experience. I mean, if you looked at the last, I mean, the last 10, the 2010s, basically, the last decade, there was no point, you know, really delving into the different types of bonds out there. You, you weren't going to make yield in bond. Everyone was in stocks. You had, to go, you had to be in stocks to make yield. Correct. Now it's important and it actually is relevant to know your different types of bonds and to know, you know, what is a zero to three year treasury? What is a five to seven year? Why are they different? Why does this one have a higher yield? Does this one have more risk? What is a floating rate bond? I mean, how many people have never heard of floating rate bond before last year? How many people still haven't heard of it? Probably, yeah. Or even know a, what it a is? A lot, a lot, yeah. I mean, it's, and, and not only that, I mean, there's been a few funds that have just been created over the last year, yeah, right? Didn't exist. So, you know, that tells you a lot about, you know, what's, what's important, what's mm-hmm. out there, and what's, you know, where the opportunities lie, you know? 
No, and it's and it's true. I mean, the, it, again, it's a, it's a diversification concept, right? You 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 want to make sure you're able to diversify your portfolio in different ways. But and think of it this way: so if you if you bought a, a just a the total stock market of the U.S., boom, you bought that, right? Um, you wouldn't have the ability to then basically. Uh, allocate different funds depending on what's happening in different sectors okay. of the market. And we've seen that over the last two or three years where, you know, value has done well, then tech has done well, and then growth, and then small cap, they, they change and been dramatic yeah, changes. Through nimble, through you have everything in one exactly. Fund. If you have all one fund, you're not being able to then say, hey, I got to allocate more of mm-hmm. this into this particular sector because it didn't do well last year, right? And it's the same thing with bonds. You just buy once, buy the whole bond market. It's not giving you what you really need, right? And again, we live in a world that is, those opportunities are there. You know, you can basically diversify as much as you can in in the equity sector where, like you said, you can buy, you can buy a sector where, you know, you look at biotechnology stocks or, you know, clean energy stocks or, you know, AI stocks. So there's so many opportunities depending where you want to go, right? And in the bond market, they exist also now. So you just have to do the same kind of homework and say, you know, what's best for the next three to six months or 12 months? Exactly. You know, what's the best portfolio out there? Think about last year. What was the difference in return last year between holding the total bond market versus holding floating rate? So, I mean, so, I mean so the bond market last year was down 14%, right? Um, short-term floaters were up 2%. Intermediate floaters were down like 6%. So, I mean, just imagine yeah. the difference. And you would say, ah, bonds, there can't be that much difference. There's a 16-point swing yeah. between short-term floating rate bonds and the basic total bond market. Exactly. So it's, that's a big deal. It's a huge, it's, because it's, a huge difference. And, and, and it's a bigger deal because, remember, bonds historically are the anchor to windward. In other words, when things went bad, then bonds is what protected your portfolio. Mm-hmm. Last year was the worst bond market in history. So just when the stock market was down anyway between, you know, whatever, what was this, 15, last year? Yeah, 15, somewhere down like 30%, right? Some, some areas of the, yeah. of the, so anyway, between down 15 to 30%. You were hoping that your bonds would protect your portfolio. Now it's down fourteen percent. So no matter what, you know, if you were diversified and only only had bonds, your whole portfolio is down fourteen percent or more. Yep. That's that's a that's a big impact a on your, your and depending net worth. on your life situation, that can be sure. I mean, we've talked about. It. I mean, if you yeah, if you're if you're twenty five, you have time. You know, bonds are mathematics; they will come back exactly. to the par. So they're not. It's not that it goes down fourteen percent and then stays down fourteen percent for the rest of existence, right? Stocks obviously they, they haven't rebounded fantastically this year, but you know, sooner or later you expect them to rebound, right? But if you're retired and you were pull, and you were pulling money out, you're in that placid boat of. Market crashes. There was no protection. My whole portfolio is down twenty, but I have no choice. I need to. But pull money exactly. Out. Yeah. And now I can't. And you'll never make that back. You'll never make yeah. it back. Exactly. Yeah. So it's 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 just so important to be looking at. I think people people know they need to look at different sectors of stocks. You really have to do, especially in this environment, you have to do the same thing with bonds. Absolutely. Yeah. You can't just throw it all in one bond fund and hope for the best. Yeah, I I agree one hundred percent. I agree. I agree with you one hundred percent. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, where, where do you, I mean? Where do you see things going from here? I mean, we, we're obviously. I, I mean, we've had a lot of questions, you know, real estate wise, inflation wise, 
economy-wise, where do you kind of see things going since maybe the last time you and I talked about this on air? So I guess, I mean, uh, you and I have spoken about... Not fair to say it. I'll rephrase it. It's not fair to ask where do you see things going since we don't have the crystal ball, but what are potential things that people should keep in mind that are possibilities? I think, for me, there are two two big risks out there. One is that I, I think... The news media is that everybody's trying to make it sound like we've now conquered inflation, right? Inflation's down. They keep talking inflation down, inflation's down. Well, the last number inflation really wasn't down, and, we, and you're looking at inflation at, at like 3.6% to 4%. Yes. Did we get used to 9% and 7%, and that's why we think that 3 3 to 4% is good? When the answer is no, 3% is, is terrible. Yeah. That means that you're, you're, the value of everything you have is declining by that amount, right, or more, right? And second of all, if you look at the inflation numbers for food, rent, housing, energy, right, it's still very high. So that's what concerns me the most is that, you know, there's a sense that, okay, inflation's done. We don't have to worry about that. And my feeling is, no, it's not done. It's still something that we need to make sure that we account for going forward. Um, and then the, the economy is just, you know, this, this housing market is probably a housing market that we've never, ever experienced before because we have interest rates are – Whatever, seven to eight percent in mortgage rates. That's got very high. Housing prices haven't dropped in certain sectors of the market, in particular, so in and the areas where, just, yeah, I mean, they just seem to be going up, yeah. right? Inventory is. You're not going to see the kind of inventory you saw in the past because if somebody has a three percent mortgage, even if they want to sell their house to buy a bigger house, they're not going to do it because they're going to have an eight percent mortgage. There's just no way I can afford that. So, yeah. so. Unless they have to move, either somebody, God forbid, passes away. It's like, yeah, I got to sell my parents' home or whatever, right? Or I have to you know, move into Chicago, I'll move into San Francisco, wherever else they're, wherever they're moving to, Florida, <laughs> right? Not, not San Francisco, the housing price is there. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know, really. The um, so unless they have to move, right? Uh, and even then, some people's like, well, instead of, I might just even just rent it, right? Because right. it's, it's better for me because of, of the rate I have. So you're not seeing that inventory come back. And just the last, I think the last few days, you saw that, you know, housing starts on single-family homes was down. So that's not a good picture for anybody looking for a single-family home. Multifamily homes, you know, permits were up. So we're seeing a situation where the housing market has the challenge of high interest rates, the challenge is there's no inventory. So, so what happens? You know, where, you know, where, where's yeah. that going? I mean, I really don't, again, I, I don't have a crystal ball, but that's, well, that's a challenge. It's not 2008 because I think people always worry, okay, oh, real estate crash again, right? But the problem is, for, for like you and I always say, nothing ever happens the same way twice, right? Exactly. So you can't just look at it, okay, mortgage rates went up a little bit in 05, 06, housing crash, mortgage rates went up. Has, no, you can't have a housing crash when there's no inventory. That's right. Yeah. Right, you need. I mean, by definition, prices collapse when the demand, right, does not keep up with supply. If there's always, if there's more demand than there is supply, it doesn't matter what it the interest matter. rate, yeah. the mortgage rate yeah. is. You can't. Right. So things, things never happen the same way twice. You can't just look at mortgage rates and say mortgage rates go up, housing crash, mortgage rate go up. Oh, there's other variables that are in play now yeah. that complicate that picture not to and, say that it can't happen but the picture is not that simple yeah and, and the issue also is to think about you know baby boomers right a lot of them are retiring or have retired and you know some will like to downsize right so if they're selling their home 
at, you know, I'm throwing these numbers out because I have no clue, right? But let's say they sell their home for a million and they're downsizing to a $700,000 home, they can pay that off in cash. Yeah. Well, a first-time homeowner, chances are he doesn't have $700,000 well, in cash. Well, I'm thinking about the trade there, right? A $1 million home entered the market and a $750,000 home left the market. So yeah. They bought that one, right? But the problem is if you can't afford the million dollar one, that doesn't help you. It doesn't, That's yeah. I'd say, you know, there was a used car and a new car. You know, there was a used car at 30000 and then a Tesla that's 100000 And the guy who owned the Tesla sold the Tesla and uh, puts the Tesla for sale and buys the used car. The guy who, who's just entering and needs a car is like, oh, man, my choices are now uh, an $80,000 Tesla. Congratulations. Exactly. You know, that doesn't yeah. help me much. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. So, so those are, you know, those are challenges. And, of course, we have the, you know, unfortunately, all the political unrest around the globe that doesn't, you know, does, creates uncertainty. And, and as you and I know, the worst things in the markets is always uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And the markets don't like that, right? So there's challenges. Now, Historically, you know, you look at all the, you know, the, the Iraq war, the, the Gulf war, all the wars that we've had in the past. Typically, bomb, bomb markets and, well, I shouldn't say that. Typically, stock markets over the next 12 months have done very well, right? So, yeah, it's so, that, so it's, 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 it's yeah, you think. think, oh, my God, things are going to, to you know, they're going to go to hell in a handbasket, something like that, right? Um, Sometimes that doesn't happen, right? So, so the idea is like I'm going all into cash because this is happening. That's probably it could be the wrong move, right? In the bond market too. The bond market typically, in a scenario where there isn't other, you know, events going on in in bonds, bonds have a tendency rates come down because there's the safety. People rush into U.S. Treasuries big time, right? So, Treasuries do very well. The rest of the market, whether it be mortgages or corporates or high yield bonds will stay out at those levels. So you see what they call you know, spread widening, mm-hmm. which means like let's say the 10 years trading at a 5%, it goes to 4%, and bonds, you know, corporate bonds are trading at 6%, they'll stay at 6%. So that spread has now widened. Between, exactly. So, yeah. so those things occur, right? Um, and they just those windows are a little tighter. So, you know, again, it's uncertainty, unrest. Um, and so the challenges are there, and, you know, my perspective has always been you don't try to guess and time markets because the chances are you're going to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. And if you get it right, good, right? But yeah. if you get it wrong, you're making a big mistake. Mm-hmm. So it's always best, as you and I say, figure out what your needs are. You know, what's, what's the perfect strategy for me in order to achieve the goals that I need to achieve? Find what that is, find that perfect balance in your portfolio, and stick to it. You know, and yes, on the sides, and we always talked about it, you know, you know 10, did, 15% is tactical the opportunities. Bond exactly. Did, yeah. In other words, within that, there's pieces you can say, how do I better position this part of my portfolio so that if X happens, exactly. I am less affected, right? Exactly. But you. My feeling is you always try to control the degree to which you're affected, not the magnitude, not the direction. You try to control, you worry about the magnitude. In other words, if you want to be aggressive, then your goal is to make the portfolio that when the market is up, you're up more. When the market is down, you're, you, you know that when the market is down, you're going to be down more, right? If you want to be conservative, if that's what your, your needs are, you want to make it so that if the market's up big, you're up a little less. But if the market's down big, you're down a little. So you, you make those adjustments, but you never try to change, beat the direction. You never sit there and say, I think the market's going to go down, so I'm going to put everything in cash. Exactly. Because this way, when the market's negative, I'll be even. That's where you yeah. run into trouble. You can't 
try to guess the direction. What you do is say, what kind of, how exposed do I want to be to the magnitude of it? And that's what determines your risk level there. You can't try to do this inverse stuff like I want to be up when the market's down because that's when you can get into a whole lot oh, of Oh, sure. I mean, just think of those. So I think back in the, during the Gulf War, right, from the time it started to a year later, I think the market was up like 36%. So imagine if you said, oh, me and Gulf, Gulf War, I'm I, I, I I, I'm, I'm going to cash. That's 36%. You'll never make that back. There's yeah. no way, you know. So it's, you know, again, whatever strategy – fits you best just stick to it and on the you know on the on the on the margins is where you make you know little tactical strategies in order to improve like you said the risk reward mm-hmm. you know? exactly so so i think it's great advice yeah for people okay Thank See, you. Look, time flies time flies we are well you and i yeah, yeah. listen I mean, we, we we have these conversations you know often the, in the office the and certainly exactly. like every every monday and sometimes just like you know let's stick to an hour guys and it's like you know an hour and a half we're still to chat about this about or that it. and but it's important you know it's important. I mean, that's how you that's yeah. how we make decisions for exactly. clients you know to making sure you, you talk about things and yeah. you're the different ideas exactly yeah so I mean, it's been a pleasure. Same here. Um, it's been, been fun, fun to be back with you. It's been a long time. I don't uh, think you and I have been together. Yeah, but for I think a... three weeks ago, I don't think it was you and me. I think it was Michael and me. Yeah, yeah. So, it's been yeah, a long it's time. Been, it's been at least a month. Yeah. So it's good to good to be back on with Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Always a always a pleasure. Uh, next week, we're going to have on uh, Megan Blevins. Uh, she is the owner of let's see, Center Yourself Holistics. So we're going to have. Wow. Another great entrepreneur joining us next week. Um, always look forward to it. Be sure, as always, our audience, thanks for watching today. Be sure to send us. I mean, if you've got entrepreneurs, great people, you know that you're like, oh, man, I would love for this person to be featured on Today Manana. Send us your way. There's no, there's no cost for, like, you know, the, the entrepreneurs <laughs> we have on to, to, to come on. We just love uh, chatting with people and getting to know what they do. Definitely. It's a lot of fun. It's, and, it's, and it's good. I, I enjoy their... Um, you know, their story and their, you know, perseverance. And their perspective. And, yeah, perspective, yes. But. It's always fantastic. So be sure to join us next week at that time. Of course, big thank yous. Thanks to you. Thanks thank to you. Judah behind the camera. Thanks to Emergent Financial Services for presenting. Thanks to our fantastic partners, Castle Hill Cider, Matias Yon Realty, Credit Series Insurance, Forward Adelante. Thank you all for joining us. I've tried to uh, shout it again. Thanks, Philadelphia, for pointing us in the direction Absolutely, of the great you. work yeah. Gracias, yes. done by Virgil and Ricardo and, and Keith and all those, yeah. all the people that are helping, uh, helping Latino community continue to build that equity and uh, build that generational wealth. So I'd yeah. love to see it. Love to see it keep up the great work. I look forward to seeing all of you next week. But until that time, as we like to close it out on the show, hasta mañana. <laughs>